Well, good morning. It's sure good to see everybody here today and those of you joining us by live stream. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm still saying that. I know it's time to transition into Christmas, right? But uh, I'm, I'm still full. I, I, you know what? I, think, I don't think I've been hungry like since the middle of Wednesday. Do you know what I'm talking about? I just roll from meal to meal and snack in between because you've got to keep the roll going, right? I'm telling you, you know, I was thinking, we, we kind of have been doing the Lord's Supper for, for a lot of years, right after, the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and I was thinking about, it, it kind of almost comical, these two meals together, because they're so different, aren't they? I mean, you think about, it, we, we get together for, for the Thanksgiving meal, and that meal, according to the Calorie Control Council, now, now let me just stop right there, did you know there was a Calorie Control Council? Who are these people? Do they get a badge? Can they show up at your house? Sir, step away from the refrigerator. Ma'am, put the fork down. That's what I want to be when I grow up. I, w- I want to be on the Calorie Control Council. Now, according to the CCC, okay, we, we consume a whopping 4,500 calories on average in our Thanksgiving meal. That's like two full days of adult eating in, in one meal. Now, you compare that to what we're about to do right now. We're going to eat... One, one very lonely, sad little calorie, very unsatisfying little calorie. Uh, don't eat it fast, you'll get a stomach ache, okay? No, you know, we don't come to this moment, you've heard me say that before, we don't, we don't come to this moment for sustenance. We're not, we're not here for nutrition. This isn't about steak or chicken, house or ranch, okay? That, that's not what we're working through right here. It's, it's not about that kind of meal. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, Paul says, listen, if you need nutrition, if you need sustenance, you're hungry, go home and take care of that. that that's not what we're going to be accomplishing here. And what's funny about Paul saying that is they probably actually were serving a little bit more of a meal that would fill you up a little bit. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you don't know what's about to happen, you're getting a solid thimble full of juice and a wafer that leaves the church mouse unsatisfied, okay? It's it's not going to fill you up. But here again, not about sustenance, not about nutrition. It's about remembering, isn't it? It's about remembering who he is. It's about remembering what Jesus has done for us and how that brings us in relationship together. Let me show you what I mean by that. Would you open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? 1 Corinthians, kind of halfway past, middle point there of your New Testament. Go past the Gospels, Romans, Acts, you'll be in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. And today I am reading out of the New Living Translation. Normally I read out of the English Standard Version, the ESV, but today the NLT. Now if you have a Bible with you in front of you, you can't do anything to change the translation, but if you're using a smartphone uh, and you got a Bible app, then change it to NLT and you'll be right there along with me. First, uh, First Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. It says, but now when I mention this next issue, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. You know, folks, that's kind of a That's kind of an earthquake type verse. You know, you can just read right through that. But folks, it's the Bible that commands us to gather together. It's God that says the habit of our life is to come here each week. Worship together, serve together, grow together, learn together. We are to gather. 
And, and so here's a, a group of people doing what the Bible tells them to do, what God tells them to do. And Paul says, you know what? I think you guys are worse off when you gather. I think you're worse off when you do what God says. Now, he's not actually saying it that way. And the problem is not what God says. The, the problem is this church. You notice I read, now when I mention this next issue, that's the whole letter of Corinthians. It, it's kind of outlined by the lines that begin with, on this next issue. Because in this long letter, he is just dealing with all of the problems that are at this church in Corinth. We see one of them in verse 18. First of all, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. There's divisions. You know, folks, when we, when we come to this table, it's about reconciliation. Being reconciled to God and, that, and how that reconciliation impacts our reconciliation with each other. This moment is all about relationship. And so to come to this moment divided... In broken relationships, that mocks the table. You know, folks, I, I, I can't speak for the whole world. I can't even speak for America. But my guess, my guess is that in the average church this morning gathering in the United States, I would say that division is probably more common than unity. Can't prove I'm right or wrong. I'm just, that's just a guess. That is, as Christians gather in churches throughout America, division would be the more common experience than, than unity in that church. I mean, you know, this committee is against this committee. This group of people thinks we ought to be doing it this way. This group of people hates that we do it that way. This group of people thinks we need to spend more money. This group thinks we shouldn't be spending any money at all. And then we're just all divided up. Sometimes very, very opinionated, very intense on those ideas. But of course, division is not just about a group, this group versus that group. Division can be between a husband and a wife, uh, two siblings. This church member over here who would be just fine if he didn't see that church member over there. It, it, Paul said, you can't come to the table you can't, you can't, that can't be going on in your life and you approach this table. Look at verse 20. It's not the Lord's Supper you're concerned about when you come together. For I am told that you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. Pretty good sign that things aren't working well at church when we're getting drunk at the Lord's table. Does that make sense? Verse 22, what? Is this really true? Don't you have home, your own homes for eating and drinking? And that line right there is why I say this isn't actually about a meal. You, you know, getting together and having a, a full meal. Uh, or do you really want to disgrace the church of God and shame the poor? It, something was going on in that church where as they approached this moment, really, I guess the word I would use is selfishness. Selfishness was guiding how they approached, how they came upon this moment. They're thinking about me. They're thinking about myself, what I want, what's going on with me. Now, here's the interesting thing, folks. Okay, we're celebrating a relationship with the Lord, right? His body, His blood has bought for us, brought us into a relationship with God. And that relationship with the Lord brings us into relationship with each other. So while we come to this table, and we're going to read about it in just a second, in a very intense, spiritual, personal moment, folks, this table is not 
just about me and the Lord. I might do some personal business here, but the table is not just about me and the Lord. It's about me and the Lord and all those I worship with, all those I serve the Lord with, all those I follow Christ with. Verse 23, for this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you just as I received it. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So if anyone eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily, now let's stop right there, that means that there is a way to do this that is worthy of the Lord, And there's a way to do this that is unworthy of the Lord. There is a way that I as an individual can take on this moment that honors or dishonors him. There is a way as a group that we take on this moment and we dishonor him or we honor him. There's a right way and a wrong way. So if anyone eats this bread or drinks of this cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking from the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup unworthily, not honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we examine ourselves, we will not be examined by God and judged in this way. But when we are judged and disciplined by the Lord, we will not be condemned with the world. So, dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, and let me stop right there in the middle of a sentence, okay? When, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, I, I just read the longest passage in the New Testament about this moment. It describes for us the scene just like we take it from the Gospels when Jesus was actually going through that moment with the disciples. So we've got a description of the scene. We've got these do's and these don'ts and and kind of these meanings. I mean, there's a lot here. This is a long passage. You really could break this passage up into two or three sermons to just kind of look at the meanings and the actions and the results of, of coming to the table. There's a lot here. Long passage. And yet... The entire passage was written to get to these last four words. Wait for one another. That doesn't seem very deep. Doesn't seem very theological. And yet Paul just wrote all this, just communicated all this to say to you and me, wait for one another. Value each other. Respect each other. You know, we have uh, kind of begun to introduce a theme in our church a, a little bit here and there this fall. You're going to see a whole lot more of it uh, in, in the new year. And it's the idea that life is better connected. Serving the Lord, witnessing for the Lord, worshiping the Lord, giving to the Lord, taking the Lord's table together. It's all better together. Doing these things for Christ, in Christ, through Christ. It's all better together. And how beautifully that is portrayed Right here in this passage when it tells you and me to wait for one another. 
I mean, I might have gotten here early. I might have gotten here on time. I did what I was supposed to need. You know, I can press on, but the scriptures, no, no. I know they're running late. I know they didn't do what they needed to do to be here on time. But, but wait. Think about what waiting says. Waiting, waiting says, I value you. I, I respect you. I would wait. We would wait with the idea that moving forward wouldn't be the same. Moving forward would not be better. I might be here, but it would be better if I waited. See, folks, the Lord's table is better together. Now, what's interesting in this passage, and I I don't know that I fully understand the mechanics, just the, the physical way they were doing the Lord's table in Corinth that apparently allowed for some to get there, and kind of gobble up the goods. <laughs> I got what I needed. I'm out of here. And then came the others and there was nothing left. I'm not, I'm not, that's almost how it's described there. I'm not quite sure how that was working. That's not going to be our issue today, is it? it? It didn't really matter if you got here an hour early, if you got here before the building was opened, or you came in a few minutes. We're all getting it at the same time, right? I mean, the only waiting that's going to happen is when the deacons start to hand it out. I mean, there will be a couple of rows that get it before the others. And so if you're behind, you know, you, you, you got to wait, right? You, you got to wait till it comes down your row and get it. And that, and that might be like 90 seconds. So see, waiting is not really the issue. So I'm, I'm looking at this and man, Paul, you just wrote this super long passage, this incredibly, incredibly detailed idea on the Lord's Supper to say to us, wait for one another, but that's not our issue. We've got that fixed. But there's more going on here, isn't there, than, than just the physical action of, of waiting? You know, there's a principle here. What's happening in that waiting? It's valuing. It's respecting. It's saying that maybe while I'm getting ready to do an intensely personal spiritual moment, I don't want to do it alone. It's not about what the Lord and I are just doing alone. We, we do this together. Now, we do have this moment. Paul says there, hey, you need, you need to examine yourself as you do this. It's time for you, and I love the way it read in the translation. It's basically saying, hey, listen, you need to stop and you need to take a look at your life. Are are you in the faith? Are you living that faith? And listen, you want to do this. Because if you don't judge yourself, you're inviting God to come in and judge you. You don't want that. Go ahead and do this yourself. Go ahead and just kind of take a little walk through your life. Go down through the index and just kind of look at all the pieces, all the relationships and make the adjustments necessary. If you don't do that and your life continues to move, because if we don't examine ourselves, we just go further and further and further away from the Lord. Further and further in, in disobedience. And that's where Paul says, hey, some of you've ended up sick. Some of you've even died. It's interesting to hear people try to explain that line so that it means something other than what it obviously means. I I don't know. I say take it for what it is. Take it for what it says. You might read that. Well, I'm sure glad the Lord doesn't work like that today. Based on what? What, what, what verse, what passage, where in Scripture would you get the idea that, that God doesn't work that way today? You know, we would probably tend not to think that way of God because we don't like that thought of God. And by the way, I'm going to have the God that's of my own making, right? 
And I don't like, that's not a loving God. A loving God wouldn't do that. Why wouldn't a loving God do that? Why would a loving God not kill you? If he's looking at your life and he sees you growing further and further from him, you are, you are moving into a place where you're losing your own rewards. You're starting to impact your own eternity. Perhaps even you're starting to impact the walk that others around you have. You're affecting their relationship with God. You're pulling them in. It seems to me that the most loving thing God can do in that moment is say, I'm taking you out of the game. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting others. You're going to end up with consequences. I don't want to see you bear the consequences of what you're doing. I'm bringing you home. You're out of the game. I actually think that's loving, folks. Now, we wouldn't see that really going on. And, and of course, we can explain everything medically today. We don't have all that kind of supernatural aura, right? Probably wrong. Probably that very kind of thing is going on. So, see, we come to this moment. It's a high and holy moment. It's a serious moment. Paul, in other words, Paul said, I ain't kidding when I say you need to stop and examine yourself. You need to see what is going on in your walk with Christ. Now, to accurately do that, to correctly do that, I think, folks, means that we basically just go through this page by page, command by command. Am, am I obeying? Am I not obeying? Am I growing? Am I learning? I mean, there's, whew, that's a lot there, isn't there? And that's not what we do. As a matter of fact, if you're like me, and I am very guilty of doing this, I got like two or three kind of go-to sins, right? We're at the Lord's table, we're at something where, you know, it's time to confess, and so I, you know, I kind of got in my mind two or three things that I normally kind of struggle with, and those are my, that's my go-to confession. And then, of course, we'll stop and think about what we messed up yesterday, <laughs> where, where we really didn't, shouldn't have done that. So we'll kind of confess those go-to things, maybe something we did wrong yesterday and we're done, right? Is that examining? Is that, is that taking a deep look, a long look, a real look into what is actually going on in my walk with Christ? Or is that just saying, well, I confess something? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that what Paul has in mind is a deep look. And, and, and a long look that we're actually walking through scripture and we're thinking about what we're being taught and what we're being told and, and not just a general idea but, but actually asking questions you know it might look something like this and, and I'll pull out a, a Thanksgiving verse in, in honor of the weekend we've got a verse here that says give thanks in all circumstances this is God's will this is what he wants for you. This is, this is what he's designed. This is his will. I mean, God, what's your will for my life? It's to give thanks in all circumstances. That is my will for you. Now, I, I can look at that just real briefly and say, give thanks. Yeah, I did that. did that Thursday, right? Before most meals, every now and then, even in a restaurant when people are looking. So if I covered that verse... Or maybe do I need to take it a little step further and start asking some questions like, hey man, am I daily giving thanks? Am I daily acknowledging God's goodness and what he's doing in my life? And am I moving beyond just what, what I like and what feels good and the things that are the way I want it? And am I kind of methodically, systematically working through the, the situations, the relationships, the areas of my life? And in all of those things, giving thanks. Because whether those things are what I like or not, whether I understand them or not, I know God's there and I know God's good and I know God's in control I know there's nothing going on in my life he won't use he can't use for my good and so in that I give thanks is that the kind of thanksgiving I'm doing so you start thinking about like that and then all of a sudden something I never thought about confessing 
oh, maybe I need to, hey, God, I'm sorry I'm not really taking serious this whole concept of a life of gratitude and, and being able to cover that gratitude all the way across my life, everything in my life. See, that's, that's what we're talking about here, folks. And it's, it's working through passage after passage. We're, we're talking about wait for one another. Those two words, one another. Did you know there was over 30 commands in the New Testament about what we're to be and do for one another? How did you do with those 30 commands this past week? Oh, that's not nice. Let me say that. I'll stretch it out. How did you do in those 30 commands this past month? Are you sitting there right now thinking, uh, I didn't know there was three commands. <laughs> There's 30 things I'm supposed to be. There's 30 things I'm supposed to be doing for other believers. Yeah. Were, are, are you, were you obedient to all of those this week? See, here again, that's what we're talking about. Folks, I imagine we could go through that list and there'd be very few of us that have ever confessed. Hey, God, I don't really take that command serious. Hey, I really don't do that at all. Here's one that came right from the mouth of Jesus. Look here, first... Uh, or John 13, by this all people will know you're my disciples. Pretty one we all know here. If you have what? Love for one another. And what's it mean to love one another? Does it mean I walk in the room and go, well, there's, yeah, there's nobody in here I hate. I'm good. <laughs> have I loved one another because I can walk in the room and say there's nobody I hate today? No, folks, it, it means saying, hey, listen, are, am I being obedient to looking for some concrete ways that I'm showing love to those I, I worship with, to those I serve the Lord with, to the church I belong to? How am I doing that? And is the way I'm doing that expanding beyond my group? And by the way, I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with your group. You know, we're going to take the commands of the Lord, love one another, serve one another, forgive one another. We're going to take those commands, and obviously they're going to be exercised first and foremost with our own family. Then, then we come to church and we, we try to live those commands, exercise those commands with our best friends and maybe with our life group, a small group that we're involved in. You absolutely should be looking for a group where you can purposely, methodically exercise and work those commands. But folks, there's no way you can read the New Testament and get the idea that all of these commands are just for the six or seven, maybe twelve favorite people that you place around your life. No, no, those commands are to be ever growing out. I mean, ultimately, do you know where those commands end up? Out there with strangers and enemies. Are we not to love our enemies? Are we not to pray for our enemies? Are we not to bless our enemies? Well, folks, if it's to get all the way out there where strangers and enemies are, then, folks, it's to go all the way through this room and into the hours on each side of you and over to the other campus. You see, I, I might be exercising and working the most with the few people I have around me, but i got to be thinking, how am I spreading that? How am I growing that love out to the whole body of Christ? That's God's will for you. See, here again, it's these kinds of questions. And there's all those other one another. Serve one another. Help one another. Encourage one another. Forgive one another. Am I doing that? Where did I do it this week? How did I do it this week? How am I taking this on? How do I plan on doing it in the, in the week ahead? Folks, if I come up with a big goose egg on every single one of these, then I've got some business to do with the Lord before I come to this table. It, it's not okay that none of these commands shape my day. 
It's not okay that none of these commands shape my relationships and how I approach the church body. That's two passages. (laughs) How many are in here? Hundreds? I mean, hey, this is a challenge, isn't it? It's hard to do this. It it, it would be hard, I think, to come to this table in a worthy way where I'm going through all the commands and I'm asking all kinds of questions and really examining my life. And because it's so hard to do, it's easy not to do. Matter of fact, it's easy to never do it. You know, that's one of the reasons we have a Lord's table. The Lord's table is kind of the brakes. I'm trucking along, running around in my Christian life, and, and the Lord's table says... Stop right here and just be quiet and think for a moment. What are you really doing in all your running around? What's really happening in this walk with Christ? Stop and think. Stop and examine yourselves. That's that's what we have a Lord's table for. You know, the Bible says, as we come here to celebrate His body and blood, that the, that the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, enabled the opportunity for me to have a transfer in my life. I'm transferred from the domain of darkness into His marvelous light. So what I'm examining is I'm looking in my life and saying, are there places I'm still living like I'm in the dark? Because if I'm still living like I'm in the dark, that's unworthy of Jesus, isn't it? That, that's unworthy of who he is. That's unworthy of, of what he has done for me. So we stop and we examine. And you know, it's about more than just, okay, I, got it. I don't want to be bad as I come up here. It, it's not just about being unworthy. It's, it's about being worthy. Showing the worth that he has in our life. The worth that we place on his work. And you and I have been called. You and I have been challenged to walk, not just unworthily, but to walk worthily of what has been done for us. I love the way Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling Calling, what, what, what's the calling? The calling from death to life, from darkness to light, from condemnation to grace. You've been called and there was a cost for that call, paid for by Christ. Walk worthy of that. How, how do I do that? With humility. Where do you express humility? In a relationship. With all gentleness, where do you show gentleness? In relationships. Patience. Where do you show patience? <laughs> Relationships. And look at here's one of these. Uh, here's another one of these. One another's bearing with one another. Boy, that's a tough one right there, isn't it? I, about one of the hardest commands in Scripture. Because what that just told you to do is put up with each other. Put up with the awkwardness. Put up with their failures. Put up with their smell. Put up with how unlike you they are. Put up with how annoying they are. Put up with them why why would I do that because God puts up with you and without Christ in the presence of God you don't smell so great you don't look so great and guess what it's not entirely comfortable for God to sit in your presence without what Jesus did for us Put up with one another because we're so eager to not be divided. 
We're so eager, so anxious, working so hard to be found united in the Spirit, in a bond of peace, because that's what the body and blood played for. Folks, walking worthy of Jesus is entirely related to how we walk with each other. You know, I, I guess the big product of this moment, if we, if we leave here and this moment accomplished what it needed to, we're like Jesus. And folks, when we're like Jesus, guess what? Everybody around us, from the ones we love the most, ultimately all the way out there to strangers and enemies, when we're like Jesus, other people are blessed. Now folks, in, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to start this process. Okay, the, the, the deacons are going to hand out the elements and you've got those few minutes there to start examining yourself. And the, the wrong thing I just said is the word few. Like we're going to just do everything I just described in a few minutes. My prayer for you all this weekend, my prayer for you this morning, my prayer for myself is that these few moments would launch us into a whole afternoon. Would launch us into a week. Where we actually are picking up the scriptures and saying, hey, am I doing this? Am I growing in this? Am I learning this? Because he's worthy of more than a few minutes, right? But these few minutes should launch the process. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know what needs to happen in this moment in each one of our lives. How amazing you are. There's hundreds of us in here. And yet you can approach this moment one-on-one. So God, I pray that you would guide our heart and mind for each one of us right now, what we need to hear, how we need to respond. God, I pray that these few moments motivate us to take on some time this afternoon, some time each day this week to put on the brakes and really kind of evaluate and examine what is going on in our walk with you. It's in Jesus' name we ask for your help in this. Amen. Folks, our our deacons are going to get up moment. They're going to begin to hand it out. And of course, we're going to (laughs) wait. That means a lot right now, doesn't it? We're going to wait for one another. We'll take it all together. Uh, I'll I'll lead us through that when we all have it. And then when we're done, uh, you'll see there's a chair. The chair in front of you, down below the seat, there's a little grill there, a little grate. Uh, You'll see in the right-hand corner, there's a little circle Oddly enough, the cup you're about to use fits just perfectly in that circle. So aim for the circle when it's time to put it up, okay? You've been left with a challenge to go home and just work through the whole Bible. Go home and just look at all the commands and all those places and examine your life. It's kind of daunting. That's why when I think one of my favorite verses in Scripture is 1 John 1, 9, it says that if we confess our sins... That he, the Lord, is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and forgive us of, listen to this, all unrighteousness. If you confess what you know, if you deal with what you're examining, God says, I'll forgive all the stuff you didn't confess. I, I know you can't get to all of it. I know you can't see all of it. But if you're faithful to deal with what is there and you are faithful to the process, I forgive all of it. Isn't that an incredible thought? And that incredible thought had a cost. It was the body of Jesus Christ.
And it was His blood poured out for you and me. So we come here today to cling to that promise and celebrate what made the promise possible. Jesus said, this is my body. It's been broken for you. Take it and eat. He said, this cup is my blood. It brings you into a new covenant, a new relationship with God and a new relationship with each other. Drink and remember. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how precious is your forgiveness. How necessary is your forgiveness. And I thank you that you have all the forgiveness we need. There's no person, there's no sin that is beyond the reach and the power of your forgiveness. Thank you. And God, because we can trust that, I pray we are faithful to take real looks into our life, to be real serious about this and examine what is going on. And Lord, I pray for each one of us in this room that as this day comes to a close, as this new week comes to a close, that in this process, we will be more like you. And everyone around us will be blessed. Holy Spirit, help make that possible in each of our lives. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.